generous and good God is. And I think that is central for each of us as we endeavor to live the Christian life. And God is indeed generous, and he is benevolent. And James makes clear that God is the God of wisdom, and that he shares that wisdom with us. And if you want to just turn really quickly to James 3, 17 to 18, I'd love to read it. It's one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. James says this, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Can you even believe that this kind of wisdom actually exists and that the God who owns it, the God who indeed is wisdom, shares that with us, with you and with me? Brad reminded us this morning that all of our life is lived before the face of God. All of life is a, is a feature of, of worship. And tonight, in our, in our verse, James 5.12, James tells us what it looks like to be wise with our words and how to please God with our speech. And so tonight, I want to do three things with our text. First, I would like to explain the text. Then I would like to persuade you of why this text is important. And then thirdly, I would like to apply it to all of us. So those are the three points tonight. Explanation, persuasion, application. So James 5.12 begins the final section of James' letter. So James uh, 4, chapter 4 to 11, to to 4.11 to 5 to 11 is the final concluding section of James where James encourages us to be patient because Christ is coming. I love that tonight so many of us have been reflecting on Christ's return, and James is no different. And in fact, he says that he roots all of his encouragement to the church that Christ is indeed coming, and he is going to return. And then 512 to 20 is a kind of staccato exhortation where he say, he tells the, his audience to be truthful, that's 512, to pray and to rescue wanderers. And that first exhortation, James 512, is our verse tonight, and it, it reads like this. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. And very simply, if you're looking for the main idea of this verse, it's, it's very simple. It's be truthful and be faithful in all of your speech. So let me explain what James 5.12 means. Uh, First, James warns us against swearing oaths, and then James tells us what to do, and then James motivates us uh, as to why we should do it. So first, James prescribes swearing oaths, and Brad reflected on this a bit this morning. He said that uh, oaths per se aren't bad, but the way that people were swearing oaths, they were doing so foolishly or rashly, it's kind of like what, exactly what Brad said when he said, well, some people would say, hey, I, I, I swear I'm going to do this, but really they had no intention of, of doing it. And it's kind of like saying you do something with your fingers crossed behind your back. And in, in the first century, by the time Jesus was preaching, you'd see in the Sermon on the Mount, and then in Matthew 23, James, or Jesus is rebuking the Jews 
who swore foolishly in order to get out of doing things. So James, just like his brother, is saying the exact same thing. Do not say you're going to do something with no intention of doing it. So secondly, then, James prescribes simple, straightforward truthfulness. He says, if you say you're going to do something, do it. If you, don't, if you aren't going to do it, don't say you're going to do it. James calls for Christians to live with such truthfulness that people around them consider their yes to be as binding as a legal document. Third, James motivates us with the reality of judgment. To take the Lord's name in vain is such an offense that it requires punishment. And Moses, in Exodus 20, verse 7, says the same thing. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And that's simply it. That's, that's James 5.12. James tells us what not to do. Take oaths with the intention of fooling people. He tells us what to do. Let our speech be marked by truthfulness and steadfastness. And third, he motivates us with the reality of God's wrath. So now that we know what James 5.12 means, what it says, I would like to spend a little bit more time reflecting on why this is significant for James, why this is important. In fact, James introduces this verse by saying, above all. I mean, there have been a lot of lofty commands in the book of James so that raises the question for us, why would he say, above all, heightening the significance of his exhortation? Well, this is important for James because God himself is truthful and has integrity. I wish we had a little bit more time. I would love to build this out um, with you guys, but just take, take my word for it. Deep in the grammar of, of James's theology, his understanding of what it means to be a Christian is that Christians are to reflect God's character. Christians are to look like God. James is not the only Christian in the New Testament to believe this. Jesus himself says that Christians are to be perfect as their Heavenly Father is perfect. Paul tells the Ephesians that they're to imitate God Peter quotes Leviticus to his audience, Leviticus 19, reminding them that they are to be holy because God himself is holy. And so all throughout scripture, we see this command that God's people are to look like their God. And so I want to look a little bit more closely at God. I want to think about God's trustworthiness and his steadfastness. All throughout scripture, God is depicted as unchanging, as faithful, and full of steadfast love. We've been going through the book of Numbers, and in Numbers 23, 19, it says that God is not man, that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. In fact, James says it like this in James 1, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And James says that this is the opposite of what humans do. Right before this, he says that humans are tempted, they are lured and enticed by sin. Humans are the opposite of God. Humans change for the worse. Humans succumb to sin. Each and every one of us knows that all too well, that we choose evil 
that we don't constantly and consistently and faithfully choose good. But this is not true of God because God is unchanging. God is perfect and truthful and he will never cease to be perfect and truthful. God is good and benevolent and he will never cease to be good and benevolent. Some of Moses' last words in the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 32.4, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Because God does not change, he is a completely trustworthy refuge for his people. Scripture tells us that God is good and true, and he will always be good and true. And God preeminently demonstrates this in the sending of his son, his own word, Jesus Christ, into the world. And the word that God's son came to preach is what James and Paul refer to as the word of truth. James 1 tells us that God saves us through this word of truth. This gospel message. And the gospel is simply this. That God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for our sins. To die in our place. And he sends God the Spirit into our hearts so that we can cry out to him as Father. So that we can become sons and daughters. Christians are beholden to the word of truth because it is our very life. By God's word, Jesus Christ, we are saved from our sins and given new life in him. God's word, in contrast to our words, God's word is redemptive. It is life-giving and full of grace and truth. And if you want to belong to a God like that, repent of your sins and place your faith in the one who does not change, the one whose word is trustworthy. For the Christian, your soul's sure and steady anchor is found in this unchanging one. Jesus Christ, the one who is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He is the fulfillment of God's promises. Christ himself is the demonstration that God is true, that God is steadfast. God's words to us are always true. Because God cannot change. Isaiah 43, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. And in his word, he tells all of us of his great love for us. Christian, I think this is is one of the most profound things that scripture teaches. You don't ever have to wake up and wonder if God will love you today. You never have to wake up and ask, is God going to care for me today? His love for you will never fade. His care for you will never fade. His love is promised to you. In Christ, God's love is your inheritance. We who are poor, we who have squandered our gifts, Christ makes us rich And our inheritance, brothers and sisters, is that God's love will never fade. 
God's love belongs to you like it belongs to God the Son. I'm, sh- I'm sure many of you have heard this. I have no idea where it's from, but it's been passed around. For God to give you up would be for him to give up his own son. And that is, that is an impossibility of the highest order. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. James 5.12 reminds us that we are a constantly wavering people, a people who need to be exhorted to truthfulness and steadfastness. But this is not true of God. In fact, because God is always true, always faithful, always steadfast, he is owed worship. He is owed our reverence, our whole lives. Though our words are often faithless, God is always faithful. Though we are faithless, God's word is always faithful. James wants us to be truthful and dependable people because God is a dependable God. God wants our words to be marked by truthfulness and steadfastness because God himself has never lied to you, nor will he ever. To close, I'd like us to apply this to our own hearts. The fact of God's utter perfection and truthfulness ought to motivate us to live with gratitude and reverence. And it ought to cause us to ask ourselves the difficult question that Brad asked us this morning. Am I a truthful and honest person? Am I steadfast? Do I do what I say I will do? Does my life mirror God's own steadfastness? It is inconceivable that those of us who have been born anew by the word of truth would replace that for a lie. Am I an honest person? Well, Christians are to be truthful. We are to be held accountable for what we've said we will do. And as we reflected on earlier, as Stephen mentioned, each of us, by belonging to this church in covenant membership, have said there are certain things we will do. And we call that our church covenant, and I'd like to to read some of that to you now. We will bear patiently with one another, diligently pursuing biblical reconciliation and freely forgiving one another as we've been forgiven in Christ. We will contribute cheerfully and regularly to the ministry of this church, the needs of our neighbors, and the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Are you a patient church member? Are you diligently working to make amends with a brother or sister? Are you cheerfully giving to this church? Are you tending to the needs of your neighbor? But don't just ask yourself these things. More importantly, go to a loved one, go to a friend, go to a spouse, and ask them, be honest with me. Am I truthful? Am I honest? Am I dependable? You know, it's, it's funny, when, when, when Brad or whoever reaches out and says, hey, do you want to read, do you want to do the devotional, you always think, okay, I just, sure, I just hope it's not in Ezekiel or Jeremiah, I'm not really sure what's going on in either of those books. Um, so I'm, he's like, hey, it's in James, and I'm like, well, that's fantastic, I love James. And then he, he chooses James 5.12, which I read it, and I'm like, oh, jeez. Well, it's convicting, so it's not that hard to understand, it's just hard for me to hear. Uh, I think about it just a few months ago. I was sitting on the couch with a friend who, who rebuked me for exactly this. 
that I'm not steadfast, that I had neglected to uphold my word. And in the moment, it wasn't fun. He did it right in front of my wife, which, I mean, who likes to be, you know, embarrassed in front of their wife? But I'm grateful to God for a good friend who is willing to say, brother, you're not mirroring God. Your life is telling a lie about God. Friends, friends are foundational for the Christian life. So ask your friends. Ask those who love you. Ask those who care. Am I an honest and dependable person? And the reality is, None of us are as dependable, as truthful, as steadfast as we'd like to be. But David reminds us in Psalm 51.6, Surely you, talking about God, desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. The integrity that God desires, he builds in us. He trains us in and I read the Bible, guys, and I'm just amazed. I am utterly amazed at the God that this Bible speaks of. In Jeremiah 33, 41, he makes promises to his people. He says he's going to do good to those people. And he says that he rejoices in doing good to his people with all of his heart and soul. God loves to do good to each and every one of us. James 1 tells us that God is not stingy. God gives and he gives and he gives and it's because he loves us. He delights to give what we need. He delights in restoring and healing his people and he tells us that if we draw near, if, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And brothers and sisters, the safest place for any Christian is in the loving and everlasting arms of the one who died for you. For James, Christians are to look like their God. So what does that mean for us? It means that our speech is to be truthful and we are to be marked by integrity because God himself is truthful and he steadfastly keeps his word by his grace and motivated by his sheer goodness to us. Let us do the same. Let's pray. Lord, direct our hearts to your love and to the steadfastness of your word.